I am seeing people realize that if they are harboring bitterness and anger toward their dad, they are going to be chained to that until they intentionally seek the Heavenly Father's help, releasing them from those chains. Welcome to First Person. I'm Wayne Shepherd, and my guest this week is Dan Kuyper, the author of When Father is a Bad Word. Dan will tell his story and explore the parallels between earthly fathers and our Heavenly Father. If you have a moment this week to go online, I hope you'll take time to visit our website, firstpersoninterview.com. You'll find some helpful features there and the schedule of future programs. Of course, you can also learn more about today's guest and much more at firstpersoninterview.com. In these weekly conversations, we like to explore people's stories, stories of faith and calling in life. Each person we talk to is unique and has something to teach us about God's work in our lives. Today, Dan Kuyper tells of growing up with a father who was once an abusive alcoholic. But through the grace of God, Dan and his father found peace. In his book, When Father is a Bad Word, Dan says there is a void in our souls that only the love of a father can fill. We talked recently on the phone about his experience, starting with the home he grew up in. I was raised in a church-going family in northwest Indiana. I attended Christian schools my entire life. I actually married a beautiful girl from the church who I had attended uh, school with as well. Um, Yeah, I I had gone on to become a a successful businessman. Uh, Jan and I had three wonderful kids, and uh, you would have thought I'd be the happiest guy in the world. I had a lot going for me, and yet I was utterly miserable. Um, I just had this prevailing sense of sadness that that I couldn't shake, and it made no sense for me to be depressed. At least that's what I thought, Uh, but the truth is uh, I was was spiritually dry. Even though I was doing all the right things, I was going to church, I was reading the Word, I was praying every day. Uh, and yet God seemed a million miles away, and it seemed the harder I tried to get close, the more distant he became, and I was out on my bike one day trying to figure out what the problem was, and and I passed by a church down the street from our house. I saw the pastor's car in the parking lot, and it was as if God just directed me to turn around and, and go inside. I I knew I needed to talk with someone. I also knew I, I couldn't talk to anyone in my own church. I, I didn't want to admit that I didn't have my spiritual act together. I, I wasn't who I was pretending to be each week uh, when I attended church. Well, I went into this church and asked the pastor if he had a, a few minutes. He invited me into his office. I, I just gave him the Reader's Digest version of what was going on, and I told him I just didn't get it. I was doing what I was supposed to be doing as far as my Christian walk was concerned, but there was just no connection with God. I I told him it seemed like my prayers were just bouncing off the ceiling. And then he asked a very profound question. He asked, when you pray, how do you address God? And I said, Father. And then he asked the question that changed the course of my life, a question that has sent me on a spiritual quest. He asked, what does that word father mean to you? Hmm. And 
that was a question that instantly brought me back to my childhood. Uh, my dad was an alcoholic. His drinking was totally out of control throughout my childhood. Um, he was drunk Monday through Saturday. And the funny thing is he didn't drink on Sunday because uh, apparently that wasn't a very Christian thing to do. And that was the day that that our family would put on our fine clothes and our fake smiles and we would pretend that we had our, our act together. Mm. Uh, I need to mention this, this little encounter with my pastor friend happened you know, 20-some years ago. And at that time, uh, praise be to God, um, my dad had been blessed with uh, sobriety. Um, our, our prayers had been answered. Um, and I'm grateful because as an adult, I got to know my dad apart from the drinking, and he was one of the most kind, considerate men you'd ever want to meet. So, yeah, his sobriety was yet another thing I had to be thankful for. Uh, but the truth of the matter was the wonderful, kind man my kids knew as grandpa was not the man hmm. I grew up with. Dan, let me ask, this pastor, that you had, you had never met this pastor before? You simply were seeking help and walked into the church? I had met him, but we were not uh, close by any stretch. I just happened to know who he was. I saw his car in the parking lot. So it's amazing how God used him to to turn your attention to this, this problem that was so latent in your life. You didn't even realize the effect that your father's alcoholism had had on you while you were growing up, did you? Oh, absolutely not. And Honestly, Wayne, it wasn't until he asked that question, what does the word Father mean to you? And I mean to tell you that that just brought me back. Uh, my childhood memories were of yelling and screaming and cussing and lying and, and the constant disappointment of, of missed ball games and band concerts and this pervasive sense that I just didn't matter. And and that simple question just triggered a flood of repressed feelings. I, I remember just looking down and saying, do you want to know what that word father means to me? And I said, a father is someone I'm afraid of. A father is someone who lies to me. A father is someone I can't trust, that I can't count on, that I can't possibly please. A father is someone who doesn't want to spend time with me. A father is someone who's supposed to love me, but but he never shows it. And honestly, when I looked up, I expected to find the pastor hiding under his desk. But <laughs> instead, he... He looked at me and he smiled and he said, I wouldn't pray to a God like that either. Oh, boy. And Wayne, that is when the light bulb went on. The reason I was struggling so much spiritually was that I was projecting characteristics of my earthly father onto my heavenly father. Hmm. I was viewing God through the distorted lens of my dad, and that explained the distance. For some people, Dan, this would send them into a tailspin, but it sent you on a spiritual journey. What made the difference? Well, I think what what the connection I made with this pastor um, was actually came out of his next question when he asked, how is your relationship with 
Jesus. And I said, now that guy I can relate to. (laughs) He was misunderstood. He was persecuted. He was often alone. People didn't get him. Yeah, we're, we're pretty thick. And that's when he said, maybe you need to pray to him until you realize they're the same person. Mm. And that just sent me on a journey to discover who my Heavenly Father really was. And it has changed my life. Take a couple of minutes, Dan, to talk about that healing then that took place. Was it a long process? I'm still in it. (laughs) I'm not ashamed to admit that. It never ends, does Uh, it? It doesn't. And the the neat thing is, I am a God, the Father is still revealing more and more of his wonderful nature to me. So, yeah, it has been uh, a long process that continues, but I am just so grateful that that I have recognized I have a father who loves me. I have a father who will never leave me. I have a father who I can trust implicitly, who wants to spend time with me. Mm -hmm. Dan, what difference has this made in your relationship and your own family with your your own wife and children? Oh, wow. Uh, It has been profound. Um, And I think it, it hit me the most uh, a couple years ago when my daughter gave birth to our first grandchild. And I'm holding that little guy, and uh, honestly, all he did at that point was eat and poop. (laughs) But I knew I loved him more than words could express. I would die for him. And I recognized that's exactly how the father looks at me. Uh, So I get goosebumps even talking about things like this because I am just seeing the Father everywhere now, and it's had a huge effect on my marriage, on my relationship with my kids, and now my my grandchildren. How about the relationship with your father? That uh, was really kind of neat uh, also. God allowed my father to live several years with sobriety, and he became sober just before my wife and I began dating. So uh, my wife and and kids never saw him like that. They have a hard time believing some of the stories. But I was able to go through the forgiveness process with my dad. And in fact, um, I got my dad's blessing to to talk about what struggles we had in our family with his drinking. Hmm. And I remember asking him when I was first asked to speak at a youth group about alcoholism, I just said, Dad, I need to know that you're okay with this. And he said, you tell them anything you need to if you think it will help them in their journey. So I have my dad's blessing. And uh, when dad passed away uh, several years ago, uh, there were no regrets, because honestly, when he wasn't drinking, he was a, a wonderful man, and uh, I'm honored now when people say that I remind them of my dad. We'll talk more with Dan Kuyper coming up in the second half of today's conversation. You're listening to First Person. 
Next time, radio and TV host Cheryl Martin tells us her story. I believe that God allowed me to have some success in secular media without compromising his principles to say, this is the way, walk in it. Today, Cheryl Martin uses the variety of experiences she's had to encourage all of us to excellent living. That's next time when you join us here on First Person. My guest on First Person today is Dan Kuyper. Dan is the author of When Father is a Bad Word, and you've heard Dan tell part of his personal story and personal spiritual journey here today thus far. And Dan, I want to focus now on what you've learned and taking that to other people because you feel strongly that this is a message that others would profit from as well if they really understood the power of the influence of our fathers in our lives. Uh, tell me about the, the the decision to leave the pastorate and to uh, pursue this ministry. Well, uh, the reality is the Lord laid on my heart to write this book uh, several years ago, and it was when I had just taken a an associate pastoral position at a church. And <laughs> I realized very quickly that uh, I could not write the book in my spare time because I had none. So I just struggled with this for three years. And finally, I realized that God and I had to kind of have it out. I needed to know if his will was for me to stay in pastoral ministry or to write the book because I couldn't do both. So I decided to just drive up to Wisconsin to a pastoral retreat center where my wife and I had been before. And for three hours on the way there, I did nothing but pray, God, make it clear. If you want me to quit my job and write the book, let the record show that's not a very smart thing to do in this economy. (laughs) But if that's what you want me to do, make it clear. So three hours I prayed this prayer. I get to the retreat center, check into my room, and I reach into my book bag as I was just about finished reading a book, and that's when I realized I grabbed the wrong book. So I am staring at Life of the Beloved by Henry Nouwen, which I'd had for years and never opened, and I thought, well, it's all I've got. And in the introduction, Nouwen talks about an encounter he had with someone where he asked him, are you happy? And the man said, no. He said, do you like what you're doing for a living? And the man said, no. Nowen said, if you could do anything in the world, what would you do? He said, I would write a book. <laughs> Nowen said, so quit your job and write a book. <laughs> that was my two by four. You must I have uh, stared at I... those words a long time. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> they are highlighted, circled, <laughs> underlined in my book. Uh, yes, I, I went home and wrote my letter of resignation from the church totally stepped out in faith. I'm not going to say it's been an easy journey, but I've had no regrets. Hmm. So you wrote When Father is a Bad Word, and we'll talk a little bit about what's in this book, but you know, we won't uh, begin to uh, do more than scratch the surface today. But you've also started the organization Finding Father's Love. When you talk about finding a father's love, do you tap into people's emotions immediately? Do you find this is really uh, something that a lot of people struggle with? Oh my, yes. This is so, so prevalent in our culture today. And it's, it's, it's not just, you know, people who have parents who are alcoholic. It's people with dads who 
don't know how to be dads. It could be their father has died. It could be dad has walked out on the family. It could be dad is in the home, but yet is not in his kids' lives. There are so many people who struggle with with father wounds, and that has been a beautiful part of hearing the response from when father is a bad word and also the response from people who attend my uh, Finding Father's Love retreats. Uh, it, it just taps into a pain that many places don't address. Several years ago, a friend of mine pointed out that in most movies, in many movies at least, the theme is very often a person's search for their father's love. Uh, when I mm. when I heard that and then began to watch movies thereafter, I mean, it was very obvious that that is a common theme. Oh, no question. Uh, name a Disney movie <laughs> where the main character had a dad. Huh. It's amazing. Even the cartoons yeah. uh, portray fatherlessness. Yeah. Well, talk more about the parallels between our relationship with our earthly father, good or bad, and uh, what we can learn and learn to trust about God and his relationship with us. Well, and I'm glad you said good or bad, because those those parallels between our earthly father and our heavenly father can be very good. Uh, some are blessed with a dad who shows them how much he loves them. They're, they're a constant source of support and encouragement. And when they hear God referred to as their heavenly father, that's exactly how they view him, as, as loving and, and caring, encouraging. But I'll tell you, there are many, many others who aren't so blessed. And since I began my Finding Father's Love ministry, I've met more people than you could imagine whose whose concept of God has been negatively impacted by their relationship with their dad. I mean, kids whose dads are addicted, whether it's drugs, alcohol, or work, (laughs) who see their dads as uncaring and disinterested, and these kids grow up believing that God, our Father, is just as indifferent and just as uncaring. Uh, I've met people who grew up with dads who were ultra strict and rigid, and their concept of God is that he is a father who is intolerant and impossible to please. And sadly, women who have been abused, even sexually abused by their own fathers, I have met many of them who want nothing to do with God simply because he's a father. So I am so grateful to be able to uh, address these issues in an open and, and honest way with these folks and point them to a Heavenly Father who is very, very different from what they've experienced with their earthly dad. So what's the starting point? How do we build trust in God when our earthly father has failed us? That's the very first question I address at our Finding Father's Love retreat. Because unless you place your trust in the Heavenly Father, the relationship isn't going to go very far. And when trust has been broken, especially by our earthly fathers, it is very difficult to build a trusting relationship with a Heavenly Father. But the more we know about Him, the more we fully grasp at a soul level who our Father really is, the more we'll recognize that he always has our best interests in mind. He is a father who we can trust completely 
but that is a journey, and that's uh, that's a a tough road for a lot of folks. So, does it come through saturating ourselves with scripture and prayer? Again, what is the starting point? What what needs to be addressed? Well, I think first, um, I kind of follow an acronym, and the, the first uh, thing I address is we need to talk with Him. And most often, when we think of prayer, we think of us talking to God. And yet, I found in my own life, um, if prayer is supposed to be communication, I'm failing miserably because I'm doing all the talking. <laughs> And I think we need to allow God to speak to us. We need to find places of silence and solitude and just let the Father reveal himself to us. And that could be through the Word. That could be through nature. Um, It can be through other people, uh, good devotionals. But just allow God to to talk with us. And uh, I know I personally enjoy those times when I go to the garden and he walks with me and talks with me and tells me that I am his own. Mm-hmm. They're just very special times, but that's just a great place to start. Dan, we heard how God has uh, healed and is healing you. Are you seeing that happen in other people? Oh, my, yes. Uh, I spoke with a man at a church and uh, I had just given uh, a message on how important this uh, this role is of of fathers in our lives, and how we need to to grasp our heavenly Father's love and and grace and and healing. And after the service, he was so moved by that. He said, "I'd love to stay and talk, but I need to go find my daughter." Mm-hmm. He had not spoken with her for some 40 years, and he talked to me two days after, and he said, I have a daughter again. I am seeing people realize that if they are harboring bitterness and anger uh, toward their dad, if their dad happened to be abusive, alcoholic, whatever the case may be, they are going to be chained to that until they intentionally seek the Heavenly Father's help in releasing them from those chains. And and you know what sets us free? The Bible tells us the truth. The truth is what sets us free, the truth about ourselves, but the truth about our Heavenly Father, just finally grasping who He really is, what kind of a Father He really is. It is life-changing. Dan Kuyper, our guest today on First Person. His book is titled, When Father is a Bad Word. And if you'd like additional information, you'll find it at our website, firstpersoninterview.com. An additional resource you'll find at the website is our audio archive of past program interviews. They're all available to you at firstpersoninterview.com, along with a calendar of upcoming guests and topics. Plus, you can leave your feedback on any interview on our Facebook page. You can find us at facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. And we're also available as a podcast. You can subscribe automatically on iTunes. Coming up in the weeks ahead, you'll meet guests each week who have their own unique story to tell. And next week, I'll introduce you to Cheryl Martin of Excellent Living. Cheryl is an inspirational speaker and communicator you'll enjoy hearing from. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. We'll see you next time for First Person.